Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of flower viewing. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today, we got a pretty fun topic. We're talking about cherry blossoms, those pretty pink flowers that you've probably seen, known in Japanese as sakura. They are famous around the world as a symbol of Japan and are even considered the national flower of Japan. So in this episode, we're going to talk a bit about how these flowers tie into Japanese history, their culture, their identity as a nation even. And we're even going to see how they relate to Japanese philosophy and religion. Like this stuff goes so much deeper than I expected. Yeah, and I was interested to learn that the sakura actually produces edible fruits. They're just not very good. And you shouldn't eat a lot of them because you might get an upset stomach. They have a light fragrance too. So when you're out uh, enjoying viewing the sakura, you might be able to smell them a little bit too. Speaking of viewing the sakura, hanami is something we're going to be talking about a lot this episode. Can you explain that one to us, Jason? Sure. So the word hana in Japanese means flower. And mi comes from the verb miru, which is to look. I didn't know that. Yeah, so hanami is just looking at flowers, basically. All these Japanese words make so much sense. I know. English does not often make sense. Yeah. Yeah, so each spring, as early as in January in Okinawa, these blossoms start blooming. In March, in the southern main islands around Kyushu, and then in early May, further north, got all these blossoms popping up, and people all over the country will gather in parks to admire the flowers in this event known as Hanami. It's highly anticipated every year. People plan for it, and they watch the weather forecast. Yeah, I mean, these days, there are so many websites that will track exactly when, when the flowers are blooming because it changes every year. Yeah, and it's for each little section of Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, like in this city today and the next city tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and the flowers are only in bloom for about a week or two. So it's important to make sure you know when it's coming so you can get out there. And so during that time, the parks are going to be packed with people. I mean, so many people. Sitting on blankets, having picnics, drinking is a a big part of it for a lot of people. Have you ever done Hanami? Is that how you say it? Have you done Hanami? Have you made the Hana? (laughs) (laughs) I have not. Still haven't made it to Japan in the spring. Most of my trips were in fall or the very end of summer. Okay. Got to get there for that eventually. So I'd heard about these trees a long time ago. You know, I mean, everybody's heard of the cherry blossoms. Yeah. But there was a lot I didn't know. Like, I wanted to know more about the trees. What's going on with these trees? Because you hear cherry blossoms. Are these cherry trees? Like, are they making cherries? And Paul, you already mentioned that they do make small cherries. But they're not the trees that make the cherries that you'll buy, like, at the grocery store. Right. So to get a little technical here, the cherry blossom is a flower. It was created by certain species of trees in the genus called Prunus. And there are a bunch of different types of trees in this genus. Other trees also in there are like plum trees or peach trees or nectarine trees, even almond trees. So a lot of fruit trees in this genus. Are almonds a fruit? 
Apparently they are. Mm, well, I mean, the almond, the part that you eat is, is it a seed? There's a fruit know. around the almond, isn't there? That... Almonds are weird. I don't know. I didn't research almonds for this episode. <laughs> it's interesting to me that a nut's coming out of a fruit tree. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you could, right. I don't know. I don't know if you could call it a fruit tree. Paul, you're making us sound like we don't know what we're talking about because we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, we research almonds. Yeah, we're it's not okay. almond experts. I'll have to research almonds later. Okay. You can come back in a later episode and fill everybody in on that. But so there are a lot of different species of sakura trees. I heard there were 200 varieties being cultivated. Mm. Is that species though? Because within each species, there can be cultivars as well that have different characteristics. It's varieties. So it might not be species. Yeah. I'm not sure how they determine what's a cultivar and what's a new species, but. I feel when you start messing around with the genetics and stuff and the crossbreeding, it's a weird fuzzy line between new species or just a different variety of an existing species. Yeah, probably. But regardless, all these different varieties can have slightly different flowers, different colored flowers, different numbers of petals, different shaped branches. There are some sakura trees that are almost like weeping willow kind of things, like they have dangly branches. Yeah, know? those ones look pretty cool. Yeah. But in general, most of these trees grow to about 20 to 30 feet tall. One of the most well-known species is the Japanese cherry. The species is called Prunus serolata. And there are a bunch of different cultivars of this, and they can have different colored flowers that range from like bright pink to almost like pure white. A lot of variety. Another very popular one we have mentioned before on the podcast. You remember, Paul? Um, no. Talking about the Somei Yoshino. The one with the white flowers or nearly white flowers. Yeah, just a tinge of pink. Yeah. Did that name seem no, familiar though? No, I have no recollection. In the Olympics episode, we talked about Somei the mascot of the Paralympics. Oh. She was named after this species. Okay. Okay. I got it. I, remember, I probably remember reading that and being like, what is that? You know, yeah. and not and forgetting immediately. Yeah. But this, uh, this species is a hybrid that was developed at the end of the Edo period in the mid 1800s. Okay. Now it's super famous. I've also seen pictures of mountains covered in wild sakura trees, and they call those Yamazakura. Yama means mountain, sakura, sakura, cherry blossom, you know, wild mountain trees. That's cool. Yeah. And like, there are a bunch of different species because they're just growing in the wild, you know? So you end up with this mountain just covered in like patches of different colored trees. You got a deep pink area over here and then some lighter patches and some might be like, you know, almost white. You got a real pretty mosaic kind of. How cool would it be hiking through the mountains and just like stumbling onto a patch of blooming wild sakura trees? I know, it'd be magical. Oh, and then you find like another patch that's different and then another one. Yeah, especially with all these little petals raining down on you yeah, and like just the ground is everywhere. covered. It'd be awesome. Oh yeah. There are even some species known as fuyu sakura. Fuyu is winter. So these are winter sakura that actually bloom in the fall and continue to bloom sporadically throughout the winter. Isn't that awesome? That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Thanks for dropping that one on me. No problem. <laughs> so cherry trees grow rather quickly, but they don't live super long. 
Mm-hmm. So you got to plan new ones. I saw somewhere saying you need new ones every 20 to 30 years. But then I saw somewhere else that they live like 16 to 24 years or something. Mm. So I actually saw that most cultivars live like 30 to 40 years. <laughs> so Yeah, maybe if you take good care of them, they last longer. Yeah. Maybe it's the wild ones that only live 20. Maybe. But yeah, you got to... You got to get new ones from time to time. Yep. And in the wild, sakura trees grow not only in Japan, but in a lot of Asia. You can find them in Taiwan, Korea, China, India, even in the Middle East. There are several countries over there that have wild sakura trees. That's cool. Yeah. But these trees are so pretty and so popular and so famous around the world that a lot of countries have planted them, you know, intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find them in a lot of Western countries too, including Germany, France, the UK, Australia, and the United States, where we are. There's a bunch of places in the US, apparently. Mm -hmm. In 1912, Japan actually gave 3,020 sakura trees to the US as a gift, and they were planted in Sakura Park in Manhattan. I assume the park was named after these trees. They didn't already have a park that was named Sakura Park. And like, oh, this is perfect. We just got these trees now. Oh, we can fill up this park. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Also, a bunch of trees were planted in Washington, D.C., where they actually have an annual cherry blossom festival. Yeah, and I'd heard about that. Like, it's famous enough. Yeah. Like, I knew about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd heard of the festival, but I'd heard that in D.C., people like the cherry blossoms. Yeah, never been to D.C., but... I should go. Maybe in the spring. Yeah, you've been talking about that, right? Yeah, I think I, I think I need to go someday. I just love history so much. Yeah, I bet you'd have fun. There are a lot of other states that have a bunch of sakura trees, too. Did you know in Los Angeles, where we used to live, there are over 2,000 trees at Lake Balboa in Van Nuys? Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know about that. I wish I had known when we were there. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I think I have a few other fun facts here just... This seems like maybe the best place to stick them in here. I like fun facts. So you already mentioned the fruit a little bit. Um, Most species of sakura do produce fruit, but they're tiny and not very tasty. So pretty much only animals are going to eat them. Because these trees, I mean, most of these species, well, a lot of these species were bred specifically for the flowers. People like looking at the flowers, so they don't really care about the fruit. Yeah. Um, Another interesting fact, I think, is that like you can find sakura trees all over parks in Japan, but you'll pretty much never see them in Japanese gardens. Why is that, Paul? I'm going to say it's because the Japanese gardens are meant to be enjoyed year round. And having something that just blooms for like a week doesn't really fit into the ideals of a Japanese garden. Totally. They're going for a totally different aesthetic in a Japanese garden. And you pretty much never see any kind of flower in a Japanese garden even. Yeah, you don't want the garden to be like, oh, it's the one week we should go to the garden. Like, no, you should go to the garden like all the time because it's peaceful and relaxing and beautiful. Yeah, exactly. If you want to learn more about gardens, check out episode 13. Talked all about those. 13, it's been that long. I know, wow. right? Wow. <laughs> a while ago. Uh, another fun fact about those blossoms, they change color over time. So like, A lot of them will start out as these really dark pink little buds, and then when they blossom, they lighten, 
And between that time and the time when they start falling off the tree, they'll get lighter and lighter so that they're the lightest when they're falling off the branches. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go view them a couple times, you can kind of get different views. Totally. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you also know most cherry blossom species naturally have five petals per flower, but some cultivars have been bred specifically to make more petals. Some have as many as 28 petals for each blossom. What? Isn't that crazy? I have never seen that. That's that's wild. Yeah. That's just like over the top. I actually read that in Japan, a lot of people would consider those ones to be gaudy. Yeah. They're just trying too hard. You don't need that many petals. (laughs) Yeah. Simple is beautiful sometimes. Yeah. Also thought it was interesting that due to climate change, the sakura blooming times have actually been getting earlier and earlier every year. Sounds right. Yeah. Wow. That'll keep happening. Yep. Okay. I think that's all my fun facts. Was that fun? That was fun. I like that. How'd you like them? 28 petals. Yep. My goodness. That is Gaudi. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So now that we know what is up with these trees, let's talk history. What's the furthest back thing you got, Paul? Uh, Rumor and hearsay that the custom of Hanami started during the Nara period. Hmm. I got a little bit earlier stuff. Oh, what you got? Well, I mean, the very earliest thing I could find doesn't even have a specific date. It's just that, (laughs) like, at the very beginning, sakura were used to divine the year's harvest. At the beginning of time. (laughs) I did see that, and that kind of makes sense. Like, oh, they're blooming, it's spring, let's plant. Yeah, and, like, I wonder if the timing of that gave them some idea of, like, how the harvest would be that year. They're thinking, oh, it's going to be a great harvest because these, these flowers are gracing us with their presence. Well, they might not have had a calendar, so they no, didn't even know point. what time of year it was, and that's how they knew. Sure. If we're talking about in the beginning, that could be a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Also, in a book we have talked about before, the Nihon Shoki, a book from the 8th century, they actually mention Hanami festivals being held as early as the 3rd century. Oh, wow. Yeah, but... It, I mean, that was so long ago. And the Nihon Shoki, there's a lot of stuff in there that seems to kind of blend historical facts with mythology. And this book was written, you know, 500 years after they're saying these festivals happened. So who knows, right? Yeah, right. But yeah, it seems like the most reliable sources say that the custom of Hanami started in the Nara period, like you said, which was between uh, 710 and 794. But at the time, it looks like what they were actually looking at were plum blossoms. Yeah. But by the Heian period, which came after the Nara period, starting in 794, by that time, cherry blossoms had become a lot more popular. So at that point, Hanami was related to the cherry blossoms specifically. Yeah, and uh, Emperor Saga in the Heian period, it was known to hold flower-viewing parties with feasts underneath the trees for the imperial court in Kyoto. Sounds luxurious. Yeah. So that's like definitively it was practiced then. Yeah. And it started in the imperial court. And later during the Warring States period, samurai started doing it as they developed as a class. And then eventually in the Edo period, commoners 
started enjoying it as well. Yeah. Kind of how it always seems to go, right? It's, it's the pattern. Yeah. Yep. Also, back in the Heian period, Sakura started showing up in poetry. Yep. They were so popular that from the Heian period on, in these two major forms of poetry, haiku, which you've probably heard of, and waka, which maybe you haven't heard of, hana, that word for flower in Japanese, was understood to refer to the Sakura specifically. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Everyone just knew. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Sakura. Yeah. Obviously. Come on. Yeah. Only flower worth talking about. Uh, So like you said, in in the Edo period, everybody was looking at flowers. Everybody's having a great time sitting under these trees. Yeah, I think they started planting them more in public areas so that everybody could go out and enjoy. Right. Actually, in the 1700s, it wouldn't be sightseeing Japan if we didn't bring up the Tokugawas, right? (laughs) Have to sneak them in there at least once. Yep. Tokugawa Yoshimune had a bunch of cherry trees planted, specifically to encourage the custom of going out and looking at trees. So people would have lunch and drink sake under the trees. And of course, the custom continues to today. And now, like I said, there are forecasts all over the internet, so you can know exactly when to get out there. Makes it a lot easier than it used to be. Yeah, people make a party out of it. You know, they bring family and friends make it a picnic, but they bring sake too. So they're drinking, they're eating. Mm -hmm. They go out in the day and they go out at night too. Different places will light the trees differently with electric lights or with lanterns or spotlights. Yeah. And it's a totally different look. Some people say it looks more beautiful at night with just the flowers lit up with the dark background. I can imagine. Just enjoy them more without seeing anything else. Yeah. If you do Hanami at night, it's called Yozakura. So as we mentioned earlier, depending on where you're at and what your latitude is, is going to affect when the cherry blossoms bloom. But in about half of Japan, the cherry blossoms blooming lines up with the beginning of school and work after vacation. Mm. So it's welcoming parties. Welcoming parties are a big Japanese custom for clubs or workplaces or groups. So a lot of times for welcoming parties, they go out and do hanami. The whole group goes out and drinks sake and views the flowers and just hangs out in a park all day. That's just a common, common thing. It's an important part of a lot of people's lives that way. Yeah, that's cool. Probably a lot of people that have good memories from like their clubs and school and things like that. That time we all went out together and saw the cherry blossoms, hung out. Yeah. So when people are looking for spots to view Sakura, Mount Fuji is really important. Mm. It's a really prized spot if you can see Sakura with Mount Fuji in the background. I bet. I've seen plenty of those kind of pictures on Instagram. You know, you got Mount Fuji just framed by these Sakura branches. Yep. Yep. Everyone's trying to photograph Sakura with Mount Fuji in that one week when they're blooming. It's it's just a thing. Mm-hmm. But that'd be great. That looks super cool. Yeah. So, mentioned a few times that people drink sake while they're out there. Mm-hmm. It's also really common to bring bento boxes. So a lot of people just stop and grab a bento for everyone and a bottle of sake and Go out and do hanami. Mm-hmm. For those that maybe haven't heard of bento before, 
uh, boxed lunch, pre-made boxed lunch. Yeah, they got these little compartments to separate everything, and they're real pretty, very carefully arranged with all these different colors and stuff. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. Delicious and artful. Yeah, and inexpensive. Like, you can pick up all sorts of stuff just at convenience stores. Yeah, it's going to be closer to five bucks than like 10 or 12 of like getting anything from a restaurant. Yeah, depends on what you're getting. Right, of course, of course. Let's talk about the cultural significance of these flowers because there is so much symbolism behind these things. It's kind of amazing. Cherry blossoms can symbolize a lot of things. It can symbolize human life transience, nobleness, clouds even. W- what do these things have in common? What, how are people like clouds? Uh, they exist. But they don't exist forever. Uh-huh. That's the piece, is that it's all about the idea of impermanence. You know, these flowers are only around for a very limited time each year, and you have to appreciate them while they are around, just like life and clouds. <laughs> Right? Yeah. It's the whole cycle of life encapsulated into one week. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I have a couple concepts I wanted to mention. In episode 48, we talked about bonsai trees, and we mentioned a concept called wabi-sabi, which is about the acceptance of transience and imperfection. Yeah. There's a related concept called mono no aware, which translates to something like an empathy towards things, or a sensitivity to ephemera. So, you know, very, very closely related idea. It's almost like a wistfulness for these things that just won't be around forever, you know? And these ideas also relate to Shinto ideals of impermanence, hope, and renewal. So these petals fall at the very peak of their beauty, and they remind us that life is beautiful, but also short. And you could think of this as like a a really melancholy way of thinking about life, you know, like a bittersweet kind of way of looking at the world. And there is sort of a sad wistfulness to it. But I really like like this idea because it reminds you to appreciate things while they're there. You shouldn't always be looking into the future at what's coming towards you. You need to just stop and appreciate what you have sometimes, right? That's a great point. And also the fact that it's sad that they're gone, but you know the bloom is going to come next year. Mm-hmm. It's always going to come again, and you're going to get to keep enjoying the beautiful parts of life. Exactly. It's a cycle, just like the cycle of human life. Yep. The transience of these blossoms is also associated with mortality. The idea that, you know, someday we will die, just like these petals are dropping to the ground. and The idea is we should gracefully accept our destiny and our karma. Like, we're getting into some pretty deep religious ideas now. And for this reason, sakura are often used in a lot of different types of Japanese art. Even manga, anime, film, musical performances even. Because they evoke a certain mood, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you can find sakura all over all sorts of stuff in Japan, like consumer goods. We've talked about kimono. Sakura is a common pattern on kimono. Yeah, advertisements. Yeah, dishes. 
I mean, almost anything you can imagine, you could find a version of that thing with Sakura on it. Yeah, probably wallpaper. Yeah. You know, everything. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that you probably don't want to eat the fruit mm-hmm. that the Sakura trees make, but you can eat the flowers. They're pickled. The flowers are pickled, and then they're used in recipes like mochi cakes, candies, cookies, even ice cream, Sakura ice cream. Yeah, pretty Sounds creative. kind of nice. Yeah, you can get Sakura Kit Kats even. <laughs> you can get every Kit Kat. That doesn't surprise me yeah. one bit knowing Japan Yeah, and their Kit Kat thing. I don't know what Kit Kat and Japan have going, but it's a thing. Oh, you don't know the, the reason behind that? No. Let me drop another it, fun fact on you. Yes, enlighten me. <laughs> yeah, Japan has all sorts of different flavors of Kit Kats. And the reason for that is wordplay. You know Japan likes wordplay, right? Ah, they love it. Kitokatsu means surely you will succeed. <laughs> so it's like a, an encouraging thing. You know, you might give somebody a Kit Kat if they have a big test coming up or something. Like, here, good luck. You know, you're going to succeed for sure. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Anyways, what else, what else do they do with the, with the food? Sakura and food. Uh, okay, so I have some, some details about this whole pickling thing. So, Paul, you're, you're familiar with umeboshi. Yeah. Umeboshi are pickled plums. Mm-hmm. And in the process of pickling the plums, you're adding a lot of salt that sucks out all the moisture out of the plums, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're making these pickles, you end up with something called umezu. This is the liquid that's left over after you make umeboshi. And that liquid is what is used to pickle the sakura petals. Interesting. Yeah. So once you have the pickled blossoms, you can use them in wagashi, which are traditional Japanese sweets. Sometimes they're used in anpan, which is a a sweet bun with red bean paste in the middle. If you take those pickled blossoms and you steep them in hot water, you get something called sakurayu which is a sort of tea that is often drunk at festive events such as weddings. But it's not only the petals. Even the leaves can be pickled. And you mentioned uh, like mochi cakes. Mm-hmm. They use pickled leaves and wrap those around mochi filled with red bean paste. And then you got something called sakura mochi. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, usually you don't want to eat the fruit from the trees because they're, they're small and bitter and not fun. but I did see that you can actually de-seed those and then process them as preserves. Yeah, yeah. I assume they're adding a ton of sugar yeah, to, to get yeah. past the, the bitterness. To make them taste not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and something I've actually had, I, I've ordered Sakura Sencha. If you remember from the tea episode, we talked about Sencha, one of the most popular, or the most popular type of Japanese green tea. Yeah. So this tea I got, had sencha, but then it also had sakura leaves in there that added this sweet, you know, s- sort of flowery. I mean, a sakura flavor. And that's cool. In your tea. Yeah, it was, cool. it was good. I like that stuff. Um, but you said that in the very intro, you said something about it's not good to eat a lot of the something, right? Yeah, the fruits can make your stomach upset, I heard. I don't know. Mm. I read that that's because the leaves and the seeds contain something called coumarin. I think that's how it's pronounced, mm. C-O-U-M-A-R-I-N, which is a chemical that is toxic in large doses, actually. But I think you'd have to eat a lot to, yeah. you know, 
I don't think they taste good enough that that's ever like really a problem. Right. Right. <laughs> I heard they use them in cocktails sometimes. Oh, I'd like to try like a Sakura vodka something maybe. Sure. Or Sakura sake. Yeah. There are some real fancy bars in Tokyo that like experiment with all sorts of like local fruits and stuff. Ah. I bet you could find some really cool Sakura drinks. All right, we're going. Yeah. We're going to hit a fancy bar next time we're in Tokyo. Yeah, man. You got to in Tokyo. Yeah, right? So Sakura have a long history of being used for military propaganda or if that's the right word. A lot of weird stuff in the military. I This totally blindsided me. I did not expect this at all, but it's kind of, it's even somewhat disturbing the way that yeah. this image has been used in military history in Japan. Yeah, it is. So in 1930, there was something called the Cherry Blossom Society. Now, when I hear Cherry Blossom Society, I'm thinking, oh, this is like a fun little club. A group of friends gets together and they really like cherry blossoms, and they drink cherry blossom tea, and, you know, it's a fun, lighthearted time. I don't know. When I think that, cherry blossom, I think violent coup. Okay. That's just me, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, because this cherry blossom society, known in Japanese as Sakura Kai, was a secret society formed by ultra-nationalistic officers in the Imperial Japanese Army. And what did they want to do? They wanted to overthrow the government. And start an empire. Yeah, a totalitarian militaristic state. That was their goal. Yep. I mean, Japan was already kind of an empire at the time, I guess. But they wanted to make it more so. Yeah. Yeah. Those those nationalists. It's crazy. And I, I assume... They chose that image of the Sakura because they thought that that was like a symbol of a pure Japan, maybe? Yeah, it's like their equivalent of wrapping themselves in the flag. Sure, yeah. You know. Yeah. But they failed. Their leaders were arrested in 1931, so they didn't, they didn't get too far. What about in uh, World War II? What was going on then? The cherry blossom was used to motivate the Japanese people and stoke nationalism and militarism among the populace, help them with the war effort. Mm -hmm. But Sakura also got very intertwined with kamikaze, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Kamikaze pilots, uh, suicide pilots, they would actually paint Sakura on their planes or even bring a branch of a Sakura tree along with them on their mission. Yeah, I think it was in the same idea of the cycle of life and the rebirth and the death. Right. And they knew they were going out to their death. Yeah, and the government actually encouraged this idea. Like they they said they wanted warriors who were, quote, ready like the myriad cherry blossoms to scatter. And they compared dead soldiers to cherry blossoms. Like, oh, that's just the transience of life, you know? That's so disturbing. I know. That thought. Trying to make their ugly war beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. They even encouraged people to believe that the souls of fallen warriors were reincarnated into the blossoms. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that one's wild. Dark. <laughs> Japan also used cherry blossom trees to claim land. They would send troops to occupy an area 
And then they would have them plant a bunch of cherry blossom trees as like a marker. Like this, this belongs to Japan now. Yeah. That's, that's Japan. It's got a bunch of cherry blossoms. Yeah. It's just like any other part of Japan. Yeah. Their colonialism was nasty. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't know. Does that taint the idea of cherry blossoms for you, Paul? No, it doesn't. They're still a beautiful thing. It was a bad time with a bad government, and they used something beautiful in a bad way, but that doesn't ruin it forever. Not for me. That's good. So, after all that, on a lighter note, I thought it was kind of cool that uh, cherry blossoms are a prevalent symbol in Irezumi, which is the traditional art of Japanese tattoos. Oh, yeah. So, you see a lot of cherry blossoms in tattoos often with other recurring themes, like a koi or whatever. It might be a koi and there might be cherry blossoms kind of throughout the tattoo as well or something. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I should get a tattoo in Japan sometime. That'd be so cool. You know how they used to, I mean, if you want a traditional Japanese tattoo, you know how they did that, right? You got to get the needles. Not, yeah. No gun. They're just... <laughs> They're just pounding each little dot of ink into you with a needle. One at a time. Yeah. It was Um, not pleasant, it sounds like, to me. I mean, it never is getting a tattoo, but it sounds even more unpleasant. (laughs) But at least with the, you know, electric machine, it goes a little faster. Yeah, yeah. Get a small one. It'll have to be a small one. Something you can knock out in a few hours, even. Yeah. Even that way. Yep. You got anything else about cultural relevance or anything else? Nope. I think I'm spent. All right. I, I mean, that was a lot. It's more than I thought going into, like, we're going to do an episode about cherry blossoms. Yeah, there's a lot to say about them. Yeah. And if you want to visit Japan and see the cherry blossoms, like we said, they're everywhere. Like, you don't need to go to a specific place to see the cherry blossoms. Just make sure to look up the times that they're going to be blooming in the place that you're going to be. Yeah, you just got to be there at the right time. Mm-hmm. My first trip to Japan, our last full day there, the cherry blossoms bloomed where we were. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we walked through, we were in Tokyo. We walked through Ueno Park, which is famous for its cherry blossom trees. Mm. And it was just so packed. I bet. Like there were, you know, so we didn't like sit down and whatever, because we couldn't really. But we walked through the whole park a couple times and took some pictures. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And going somewhere even more remote might be great too. Yeah. So highly recommend it if you're going to be around in the springtime. See if you can make it happen. Yeah, I will. (laughs) Otherwise, go to Washington or New York or Georgia or all the other places they are. It's worth it. Cool. Well, if you have a fun Sakura-related story, send us an email. Tell us about it. We're at feedback at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com, which is, incidentally, our website. You can visit to find all our episodes and some cool pictures. Yeah. Paul, what's our next episode going to be about... On the next episode, we will be talking about the city of Osaka. Osaka is a cool place. We talked a little bit about it in our episode about the Kansai region. But in this next one, we're going to go into more depth on Osaka specifically and all the cool stuff to see and do and eat there. Yeah, Osaka is the home of my favorite Japanese baseball team. But I'll try not to talk about baseball very much. You can indulge a little bit. (laughs) It'll be a good time. Join us on the next episode. Yep. Thanks for listening. See you next time.